Thank you, Matthew. Well, great to be together this evening, and uh, we are, as Matthew said, in the book of Ruth, so doing it a little bit differently this week, and over the three services, doing a different message at each service in order to get through the whole of the book of Ruth. So at the 9.30 service this morning, we were looking at Ruth chapter 1, which tells us a story about a couple called Elimelech and Naomi, who are from Bethlehem in Judah, but leave that place because of famine and go to Moab, which they shouldn't really have done. They feel like it's a good decision to try and uh, get some food, but actually what they're doing effectively is going away from what God has promised in terms of where they should be. And uh, their decision, a pragmatic decision, leads to all kinds of problems. Elimelech dies, and then uh, their two sons get married to local girls, and then the two sons die as well, and Naomi is left with these two foreign daughters-in-law in a foreign land, nothing to her name, decides to go back home. And uh, Ruth, one of the daughters-in-law, says, no, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to bind myself to you. I'm going to bind myself actually to the God of Israel. I'm going to... It's a conversion story. She gives herself completely to Naomi and to the Lord and goes back to Bethlehem. And as they get back to Bethlehem, there's a little note of hope in what has been complete disaster because they arrive at the time of barley harvest. Food is coming in, and barley harvest is the time of the Passover. Passover is about rescue, and this is a story about rescue and about mercy. Then in the 11.30 service, we were in Ruth chapter 2, where we see Ruth going out and working in the fields, finds the fields belong to a man called Boaz, and she goes, and he's generous to her, kind to her. She gets enough food for her and Naomi, and it's like they're kind of provided for now, but then we got to Ruth chapter 3, and we see that Naomi isn't satisfied simply for them to have enough food to live. She wants much more for her daughter-in-law, Ruth. And so Naomi hatches a plan for Ruth to go and, in effect, make a proposal to Boaz, asking him to marry her, because being married to him will mean rescue in a much more complete sense. It will mean social and economic security for Ruth and for Naomi, and that's what Naomi wants for her daughter-in-law. That's the point we got to at the end of the 11.30 service, and this evening we're going to be looking at Ruth chapter 4, where we get to the best bit, the, the end part, the happy ending. Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. There's this uh, 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 practice in Israel that if somebody dies and leaves a family destitute, or if somebody in your family falls into poverty or gets into trouble, a guardian or a kinsman redeemer has a responsibility and a right to redeem, to rescue, to help. And uh, that includes taking on uh, someone, some, someone's whole kind of biological family, which we'll see as we go through this. And there's Boaz, who is entitled to help Naomi's family, but there's somebody who's a closer relative and so has the first right. So Boaz... Uh, just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along, Boaz said, Come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, Sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me, so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the land from Naomi, 
you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. Sounds much more sensible than paying a solicitor. But anyway, so the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Marlon. I've also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Marlon's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home, like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age, for your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez is the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David. What we have in this uh, fourth chapter of the book of Ruth is the plan coming together. Rescue is on its way. Naomi's got his plan. She wants Ruth to marry Boaz because Myers, Boaz is an excellent man to marry. He loves the Lord. He's somebody who's got life together. He's got, got some property. He's got some responsibilities. Clearly a good dude. And Naomi wants Ruth to marry him. But there's a hitch to overcome, and that's that there is somebody else who has first dibs, somebody else, a closer kinsman, a closer relative, who can lay claim to the property of Naomi's family and to Ruth. Now, when we think about this, we need to think ourselves into the culture, not judge it. Because when we read these kind of stories, when we read about this practice, when we read about these male relatives having this right to acquire the land of... Uh, Naomi and Elimelech, and acquire Ruth as a wife, to us it can seem very shocking. It seems very transactional. It seems like this woman is being kind of used as a good sold between different male family members. And so we can kind of judge the culture and actually miss what the story is teaching us. So don't judge the culture. Think yourself into it. Imagine yourself in the shoes of these people and allow the story to speak for us. Now, in the world which is described here, genealogy was of much greater concern than it is for us. In, in our world, what often happens is that people reach middle age 
and then they start to get onto Ancestry.com and explore their family history and construct the family tree going back as far as they can to see if they actually are related to anybody famous or rich rather than just the turnip pickers who really make up their ancestry. Of course, if you go back far enough, all of us are related because that's how genetics works. So all of us are related to famous people, but basically we're descended from turnip pickers. Anyway, so we, we do that because once you get middle-aged and you haven't got so much, long, so much time left in life, this peculiar interest develops in who were my ancestors. And so people construct their family trees on Ancestry.com. I haven't quite got that set myself. Maybe it's just around the corner. At some point, I'll start doing it. Now, for the people in this culture described here, genealogy was much more significant than that. Family really was all. The rights and the responsibilities of family really was all. And the deal was that the Lord God, Yahweh, had promised his people this land, promised them the promised land, They'd entered it after all those years wandering in the wilderness. Finally, Joshua had led them into the promised land. Every tribe had been given its inheritance, and within each tribe's inheritance, each clan, each family, each man was given his inheritance. And that meant that this wasn't just property, this was sacred. It was sacred because it had been given by God to these people. And that meant this land had to be possessed by family, and losing the land was to lose the blessing of God. It was to step out of God's plan and God's blessing. If you lost your property, you lost your place in the people of God. And that meant that if you were an Israelite, you had to marry, you had to have children because the inheritance had to be held. You had to hold on to the land because God had entrusted it to your family. And if a, if a family member was in trouble, you had to help them. And if a man died without any children, something had to be done to make sure that his legacy, his name, was maintained. And that meant that a family member had not only the right, but also the responsibility to marry a man's widow in the hope that she might have children who could carry the dead man's name and would secure his inheritance. And so this isn't just a case, it's not a case of buying and selling a woman. Actually what it's about is it's about holding on to what the Lord has promised. Because the way that that promise was held on to is by tangibly possessing the land through having children and them holding on to that land and them having children and them holding on to the land. And Boaz was willing to do this. Boaz was willing to take on the responsibility for Naomi's family, including the responsibility for Ruth. The other man, the man who is more closely related, he wasn't. He was interested in the land, but he wasn't interested in Ruth. And he says, I might endanger my own estate. If Ruth had children, then actually his land might go to Ruth's children rather than his, and his inheritance would then be threatened. So he didn't want to take that risk. But Boaz did. And so Boaz says, I'll marry you. I'll take on this responsibility. I'll take on the legacy of Elimelech and Marlon. And we see Naomi's plan has worked. Ruth and Naomi are rescued. They're secure. They're at rest. Ruth and Boaz are married. That's publicly done. and It's publicly blessed. The elders and all the people at the gate say, we are witnesses. And may the Lord bless you and bless this woman. May you have loads of kids because that's how you're going to see the blessing of God being worked out. And 
Where the story starts is that Elimelech and Naomi, they, they leave the promised lands. They leave their inheritance. They leave their people and they step out of the blessing of God and all kinds of disasters before them. And now Naomi has come back to Bethlehem with nothing, but the Lord has been merciful. And Naomi and now Ruth step right back into the blessing of God. And they are blessed by the people of Bethlehem. And blessings have power. The people pronounce a blessing at this wedding. We bless you and may you have children. And Ruth becomes pregnant. She'd been married for 10 years before. Didn't get pregnant. Couldn't conceive. But she marries Boaz. She has a child. Naomi had lost her husbands and sons, but a new son is given to her. And it's Boaz's and Ruth's son, but the women put the baby into, into Naomi's arms and say, Naomi has a son. It's a great story. But, of course, the story is much bigger than this. It's much bigger than simply Naomi and Elimelech's family line being secured. God is doing something much, much bigger here. Naomi had a plan, but the Lord God has a much bigger plan the plan is not just that Naomi and Ruth get rescued. The plan is rescue for the whole world. This isn't just a plan to, about securing a small plot of land in Bethlehem. This is a plan about securing the whole world for the people of God. What we see in the genealogy which is given is that Boaz and Ruth become the great-grandparents of David. That's the genealogy that's given us at the end of Ruth here, David, the great king of Israel, the model king from whom the Messiah will come. And then when we turn to the New Testament, the very first chapter of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, gives us another genealogy. And this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah. And it traces Jesus' genealogy through the male line, through the fathers. But in that genealogy, there are five women who are included. Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Uriah's wife, that's Bathsheba, and Mary. And these are five incredibly significant women, and they have lots to teach us, and we could very easily spend five weeks looking at these five women and what they have to teach us. But see the significance of Ruth, who sits there uh, as, as the third of those five, the middle woman in those five significant women. She is a foreign widow. She's from the tribe of Moab. She had no natural part in the things of God, the things of God's people, but she's there, <coughs> there right at the heart of the story of God's redemption. Right at the heart of it. She becomes David's great-grandmother. She becomes, in human terms, the ancestor of Christ. Ruth is absolutely central to the story of our redemption, the story of our salvation. Why did everything that happened to Elimelech and Naomi, why did it all happen? Ultimately, it was for this, that there would be one who would come who would be the redeemer of all peoples. Boaz was a redeemer for Ruth, but Christ is the great redeemer who saves the worlds. Boaz had qualities which enabled him to be a redeemer. He was qualified in terms of his family status and his qualities as a man, Jesus is the one who is ultimately qualified as a redeemer. When we read in the Old Testament about what qualified a redeemer, a guardian, a kinsman redeemer, there are, there are four things which we see Jesus fulfilling completely. 
one thing a redeemer had to do was to you would redeem family members from slavery. If a family member fell into poverty and had to sell themselves into slavery, then the redeemer had the right and the obligation to buy their relative out of slavery and bring them into freedom. And Jesus has done that with us. Jesus redeems us from slavery to sin and the devil. Galatians 4, 7, you are no longer a slave but God's child and since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. We are brought out of slavery to sin and the devil and death by Jesus Christ and brought into this inheritance as his children. Something else that a redeemer would do would be to redeem family members from landlessness. If if you got pushed off your land, that was disaster. That was to lose it all. It's to lose the blessing of God. And what Jesus does for us is to promise us an eternal inheritance. 1 Peter 1, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. The inheritance of Naomi, of Elimelech, was secured by Boaz taking it on and taking Ruth on. In Christ, we have this promise of an inheritance which can never be taken from us, an eternal inheritance. Another thing a redeemer did was to redeem family members from childlessness. That's what we see with Ruth and Boaz and Naomi. There There were no descendants coming. The family was going to die out until Boaz married Ruth and they had a son. And Jesus promises to make us fruitful. John 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Jesus promises to make us fruitful. And then a fourth thing a redeemer was to do was to redeem family members from loss of life by paying a price. It was actually a costly thing for Ruth to be redeemed by Boaz. Boaz put a lot on the line. He There was a financial cost. There was a potential cost of reputation. He said, I'm willing to risk it all in order to lay hold of Ruth and all that she brings with her. And Jesus has paid the ultimate price that we might live. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Everything a redeemer was expected, required to do. Everything that Boaz did for Ruth and Naomi, Jesus has done for us. But on a far grander, bigger, more total, more ultimate, eternal scale. Christ is our Redeemer. He is the one who has rescued us. He's the one who's purchased us. He's the one who's given himself for us. He has brought us out of slavery and death. He has promised us fruitfulness. He has promised us inheritance. Christ is our great Redeemer. And so when we read this beautiful little story of of Ruth, this amazing story sandwiched here in the Bible after the terrible things described in the book of Judges, the chaos and the anarchy, the hopelessness, what we see is God's promises being worked out in these few people, in the lives of Naomi and Ruth and Boaz, just three people. We see the beauty of God's mercy. What is lost, broken, seems tragic, seems at an end. God's restoring, healing, building up his mercy, being poured out of them, and so much being given to them. But the story is so much vaster than that. That This story is like just the 
the tip of a funnel which expands and expands and expands, the, the mercies of God cascading through the generations, cascading through Ruth's biological descendants, and then cascading spiritually to us through Jesus the Messiah, that we are a redeemed people because of what Christ has done for us. Ruth's story is my story, it's your story. There's been a redeemer who has stepped into our lives and said, yes, I want you. I take on the responsibility of you. And I promise you legacy, inheritance, fruitfulness because of who I am and what I can give. That's our hope as Christians. That's what we share in Christ. In him, we will possess all things as he possesses all things. What a great redeemer. What a great salvation. Let's stand and pray and come back to worship.